Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. Everybody okay? You're doing all right? Happy Sunday, the Lord's Day. Amen. It's good to be with you. See, they don't even care anymore. They just are like, man, I love being together. What them? We're not in a hurry. You'll notice that. Really not in a hurry. The more you get into the things of God, the less in a hurry you are. And when he's moving, you're like, I could care less about the rest of the earth. I just want to be where God is. So if you have a Bible, we're going to go to Ephesians 1, 15 uh, to start. We're going to be a lot of places. Um, I, I get two more Sundays with you guys. And if that, we're like, what? Uh, Then you just weren't here the last month. So I'm just going to reiterate that I felt led by the Lord to step out of the pastoral role uh, and and be more of a a back end in the prayer room and uh, running a business and then just being really open to what the Holy Spirit would tell me to do. Because if I was to be a shepherd that say, you follow the Holy Spirit, but I will not, that would make me a bad shepherd. Uh, and so I, I do view this as like my last two sermons, and people keep saying, don't say that. It might be. I don't know. Uh, but I'm not speaking again until he tells me. And so for the next two weeks, I get to talk to you about, uh, and, and this is what I asked the elders. I said, hey, can I just talk about whatever I want? Like, can I just like preach my heart? Like, because we got calendars and we got lists and we got plans. Plans are great. I just hate them. Uh, and so I said, hey, can I, you know, if I had last, last two weeks to just preach my guts over, over the people of Cobblestone and, and almost a little bit act like Paul with the, Ephesians el- the Ephesian elders. And if you don't know, Paul spends a lot of time with them. And he knows that he's going to go and he's going to die and never see them again. And he weeps over them. And he actually prays over the Ephesian church in Ephesians 1. And it actually sums up a lot of what I hope for this place. And so if you want to know what we've been praying over you, we've been praying scripture. Who knew? But over the next two weeks, uh, even this week, our admin, Stacy, was like, you got to let me know what you're going to say. And I think I out loud said no. I'm not going to tell you, but I'll tell you guys, and I told her, don't worry. I I said, I'd love to talk about the Holy Spirit, and then I'd love to talk about intimacy with God. Those are the two things that if if you've known me for any length of time, I like those two topics. I love to talk about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit shows me Jesus, lets me know who I am, leads me. There's so much that he does. Uh, And for years of my life, I was afraid of him. You might be like I was. Don't be afraid. Gird your loins, though. And then this idea next week is about how can you be close to God? And can you? And is intimacy with a God even a thing we should be shooting for? It's the passion of my heart is, is that men and women in the church don't know whose they are. They don't know how to spend time with God and they don't know how to be close to with him. And so they've bought into this lie, and I think it's the world, I think it's church culture mixed with Satan, who's convinced us to live a faith outside of the house when we can come in and meet with God. Does anybody wanna meet with God? Some of us aren't quite sure. That's okay. So I'd like to read this scripture over you and pray Uh, And then kind of like, if someone was to ask you, I don't know, I've been here, how long, 17 years? Um, They're like, say the last things that you think you might say to these people. That's how I'm treating these last two sermons, okay? So in Ephesians 1, he's praying. He says, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. And church, I have seen your love and your faith. What we just watched is not normal on the earth. Tell a group of Americans, American Christians, to be quiet and spend time with Jesus. They're like, we, don't, we demand a service. We demand songs, entertain it. But you did not, did you not? Everybody in here was like, we want to be with God. So there's something peculiar happening. 
that I think I, I, can, I can see it. I can see your love for God. I want to commend your faith. I've heard of how you serve the poor. I've heard of your love for the, lo- the lost. I've watched you love the saints. Praise the Lord. God's grown that in this church. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And I can say this not just for me as an elder, but as for all the elders. I hear them praying for you. Like crying out that God would show off in your life. So I hope you could feel our prayers. And if you ever need prayer, you should ask the elders. And you should ask the, the prayer warriors, because we would love, I've not ceased remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? Those are the things that I want to talk about. And that's why I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. So he starts talking about the eyes of our heart being opened, enlightened, that we got, actually would have some kind of spiritual revelation of wisdom and understanding that we would actually know the, the weight of what we've been called to. Because if you don't know the weight, you live a weird Christian life. You live a half Christian life. But when you understand the immeasurable power and the working of the greatness of the glory and the riches of God, that he worked, verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. That's a good prayer. Apparently Paul knows how to pray. So if I could, I just wanna pray over you and for our time together. Uh, And then I'm going to leave you with two thoughts today and then intimacy with God next week. So Jesus, you are the name that is named above all names. There is nothing and no one or anything higher than you. Every demon bows at the name of Jesus. Every authority, power, or ruler bows at the name of Jesus. So we bow before you. We bow our hearts, we give you reverence, and we worship you. Thank you that this body is your body. Thank you for the power that you worked when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so, Father, I thank you that we can call you that, that we get to call you Dad. We get to call you Abba, that we are sons and daughters, no longer slaves. And so, Father, I ask by the Holy Spirit that you would teach us today. But by the Holy Spirit, you would teach us about the Spirit. I pray for that weird, like, fear or nervousness or weird charismatics. I don't, we don't need that. Just the beautiful moving of the river of God. The Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Would you come do the works that Jesus did in our midst? And I thank you, God, for every person in this room that you intentioned them to be here. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that love the Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you knew, uh, let's say in two weeks, that it would be the last time that you would get to speak to this body, what would you say? Or, or your last time you get to speak to your family. Or we do this at retirement stuff sometimes. We're like, hey, speech, speech, speech. And then they get to say whatever they say. It sucks working here or something like that. I don't know what they say. Like, you know, like last words kind of matter. And so I was like, you know what? It is the Holy Spirit I want to talk about. What really, if I only have one thing I could say to you, do you know what it would be? Because I only really have really one sermon. And it's why I love the Holy Spirit. There is no one like Jesus. Do you hear me? There's no drug, and I've done a few. There's no woman or man or experience or encounter that is better than the living Son of God. Nothing. No one. Nothing is better than Jesus Christ. 
And at 17 years old, on a youth camp, at an, on an island, God saved me. And that was the only thing I yelled. Jesus is better than all that. And I would sell it all. I would die tomorrow because I know that my, my hope is secure in this Jesus. And so what I would preach to you if this was our last moments together was, hey, get as close to Jesus as possible. Sell everything. He's worth it. And really, there is no rival to Jesus. There's, there's not, even Satan, not on the same level. Nothing is better than him. And the church must remember this message, not mine, that, that holy, awesome message over all the earth, the son of God is worth everything. That's it. So if you wanna be in this church, it's not gonna be Holy Spirit or word people or spirit people. It's gonna be, are we Jesus people? And if Jesus wants it, Jesus gets it. And he will be the fascination of every service, every Bible study, every prayer meeting, because he's the one that's worthy. He's the name above all names. Any name that is named, there's one above that. Whatever president, king, ruler, what name is above that? Jesus. And I want you to, I want you to search your heart because I believe there's a, I'm going to call it a cancer. It's like a bed sore. We don't actually really believe it because we're like, yeah, Jesus, but really I want to be comfortable. Forget that. Sell everything and go with Jesus. If you get Jesus, you get everything. The son of God is the surpassing greatness is what he's gonna call it here in Philippians. And if you wanna go there, go to Philippians three. But he doesn't have an equal. He has no rival. Nothing compares to the beautiful, holy, pure son of God. But if I followed, I'm not even gonna go at you. I'll go at me. If I followed my daily life, would my life herald that sermon? I want you to cling to Jesus. I, I don't know, like Jeremiah's coming after me into this teacher. I don't know if he's the, he'll be here 20 years or, I don't know. There's probably going to be multiple people. Don't follow them. He's a great guy. He's a better pastor than me, but cling to Jesus. Don't let the earth, don't let demons, don't let your shame, don't let any power, principality, or anything convince you other than I want to be with Christ. If they threaten to burn your house down and kill your kids, stick with Jesus. If they threaten your rights and your civil liberties, stick with Jesus. This is the sermon. There is no other. I have found nothing better. I love the Son of God. I want him more than I want life some days. And that might sound a little extreme, but I'm a little extreme. I, found, I can't find anything on the earth that's like, you know what, Jesus? I think you're, you're under that. I haven't yet. Some of you in this room, you're living in a way though right now that your life declares there's something better than Jesus. But the message of the God's people is he's the better thing. He's it. He's it. Philippians 3 is kind of that verse where we read it and uh, I think we're like, okay, Paul, be extreme much. But I appreciate Paul because I'm extreme much. Either he is or he's not, guys. Either Jesus rose from the dead, poured out the spirit of God, and is worth everything you have, or he's not. Either it did happen or it didn't. That's how my brain works. But in Philippians 3, verse 7, he says, whatever gain I had. So think about your life with me. What gain have you had? What educational experiences, Miami students? Because you're going to get degrees and probably go on to get more degrees because you're all stupid smart. You're going to go get you know, married and have some kids and get a 401k and make some money. So gain, right? We've all got some gain in this room because, number one, we're, we're actually not in the bottom third of the, the world. We're actually kind of in the middle to the top if you want to go percentages. None of us really are truly poor in here compared to the rest of the world. What gain have you had? Put yourself in the scripture. What gain? But whatever gain I had, and 
He had a lot, this Paul did. Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, he's like circumcised on the seven, you know, like he did all the stuff. He had all the money. He had all the knowledge. He had all the respect. He had all the power to go kill Christians. And then what happened? He encountered Jesus. And Jesus knocked him on his butt and he went, who are you? And he went, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And from that day forward, that man was marked. He couldn't go back, you see? So whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of who? Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Underline that in your Bible, highlight it, write it on your arm, tattoo it on your forehead, don't do that, but surpassing greatness. Do you hear that? It's not even like, you know what would be really great? Knowing Jesus. What would be past that? What would be surpassing greatness? Well, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. The thing I've been, it's like a drum. I just bang it. You know you can know God, right? That there's a place of communion that is not just I hold on to a theological or argument or a doctrine. It's a knowledge, a knowing, an intimate connection with the Son of God whose spirit is in me, whose word I take in, whose spirit leads. Like there's a knowing. And the word knowing is everything you think the word knowing means. More of, some of us in this room, you know more about your best friend on earth than you do the Son of God who is actually better and actually is more knowable. You can know God. And for so long, we, we Christians are like, you know what you need to do to know God? Well, you need to not cuss, not drink. You need to dress better. You need to clean yourself up. And then you can come. But that's not the message. The message is Jesus Christ died for sinners who were his enemies so that they could become sons and daughters and that they could become adopted into the family of God. And then he was like, I'll do you one better. I'll fill you with me. Last I checked, the, the, the Holy Spirit was the third person of the Trinity, God. And this is why I talk about Jesus first, and now I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. This is why I love the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit shows me Jesus. The Holy Spirit made me love Jesus more. The Holy Spirit made me worship Jesus more. The Holy Spirit taught me who I was in Christ more. And without the Holy Spirit, you have a bunch of people who begin to look like Pharisees quick, quickly. Because they know the word, it becomes law, and then they kill each other with it. But the law is death, but the spirit is life and freedom. So how do I know how to apply this? Well, the spirit leads me. And so I want to talk about the Holy Spirit because I would agree with my boy A.W. Tozer. Y'all know I like some Tozer. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we would do would go on, and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop, and everybody would know the difference. Do you see what he's saying? So, so often, and I'm not, I actually don't think, I think we're actually, if this is a scale, this is like no Holy Spirit, and this is like, oh my gosh, we're glory. I, I think we're on this side of the quadrant. But I've been to some services where I'm, I'm pretty convinced the Holy Spirit was not there. Because I'll tell you what, when I was a young pastor, I, maybe you consider me still a young pastor, um, I know how to run a church service. Does that sound prideful? It can be. I know what natural gifting feels like. I, 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 can, I can lead a room. I'm naturally kind of stupid and a little joyful. So people are like, I kind of like him. He's disarming, right? So we can build a crowd. If we get a good enough coffee and we get some new carpet and some nice seats that you like, and then we tell you good things like, here's three things you need to know to have a better life, to be the best you. They all start with P, purity, presence. I mean, like we, could, we can do the normal Christian thing on the earth right now, and we can do it without God, and people will like it, and you'll get a big church, and people will be like, oh, go listen to that boy. 
He's nice. I like him. And I mean, we, we did this, guys. I did this. And there's nothing wrong with having nice seats. And we got new carpet. It smells great, doesn't it? And like our heater's broken. We're probably going to get a new one of those because we don't want to sit in the cold. That's fine. But the problem is in the American Christian heart, those things seem to start creeping up. And then we can very quickly forget that this thing was actually supposed to be fueled by, led by, and filled with the very spirit and movement of God. And if it's not, who gives a rip if we have good coffee? Who cares if you like it or not if God's not moving? Who cares? And some of you are like, I, can't, I don't care anymore. And it's probably because I got two sermons left. So I get to say all the things I've ever wanted to say and be like, Jeremiah, clean it up. That's not really what I'm doing. I'm not actually angst-filled, but I do feel the passion and the fervor and the zealousness of God on this. We turned a corner about two years ago, and we said, okay, well, we want the Holy Spirit here. But I don't just want some. I want the Holy Spirit to have his way in this church, and I don't want you to be afraid of him. For years, I was afraid of the Holy Spirit, like afraid. I, I actually literally would avoid prayer rooms and prophetic people because I thought God was going to call me out. You ever been there? Like, I literally would be like, I'm not going to go around that lady because I know I got, had shame on my life. I was struggling with sexual sin or pride or whatever it was that day. And I was like, if I go in there, she, I know she's going to look at me and be like, the Lord sees you. And I was going to be like, never. You know what I mean? Because I had this misunderstanding of the prophetic. And I had this misunderstanding of what God does by his spirit. And, and so that's what I'm trying to get us to do is not be afraid. And then if you're afraid, you distance. In a human level, if you're afraid of somebody, you probably don't hang out with them a whole bunch. Right? right. I, here's what I have to say to you as a pastor. I am not afraid of the Holy Spirit anymore. He will make you weird sometimes. So if you're afraid of what people think, you will avoid him. If you're afraid that you have to let go of your life, you'll avoid him. And if you're afraid that you're, you like your sin more than you like what God wants, you won't want the Holy Spirit around. But if you want God in his ways, if you want to be close to Jesus, if you want to know what God wants you to do, you want the Holy Spirit. Not less, more. All. We want, I mean, as much as you got, God, I want the Holy Spirit. I mean, and so I, I felt like for years I was like, God, I don't know anything about the Spirit. And I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to know everything, which that's a good weight to carry around, right? I'm supposed to know everything that everybody ever asks ever. And I don't even understand your Spirit. And the reality is there is some mystery to the Holy Spirit and to all things of God. Someone, can you explain God to me fully? Good, because if so, he's not God. You made him up. But in John 3, 8, it says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What's he saying? The Spirit does what he wants. God does what he wants, and you might feel his effect or see his effect, like the wind, but you're like, where'd the wind come from? Don't know. So there's some mystery there. But the Holy Spirit, for me, really is all about cherishing, loving, encountering, being with Jesus. Jesus said, it's better that I go away and I'll send the helper, the paraclete. That's the word in Greek. It's, it's comforter, it's guidance, it's, it's, it's so many things. Counselor, you can, you, there's a lot of Greek words you could throw in there. Why would it be better that the Spirit of God is in me? Why? Uh, and, and really, it, there's so many verses we could do, uh, but really what the Holy Spirit does is connect me to Jesus Christ. He reveals the Son. And so I'll say this just to put you all at ease. If you're ever in a room and they're yelling about the Holy Spirit, but there's Jesus nowhere in the room, don't listen to that Spirit. My belief, and I'll fight some charismatics about this, is when the Holy Spirit shows up, Jesus gets lifted up. I've had some weird encounters, guys, and I've never shared them, but like I said, I got two sermons left, so why not? <laughs> Praise God. 
So I was in my living room once, and I was praying with a young man, and I don't know what it was, but it was almost like a power shoved me to the ground. And I began to shake and yell in tongues at the top of my voice. I even looked over my shoulder to see if my fireplace, my gas fireplace was leaking. Because I was like, something's wrong. And I was looking at the guy next to me, and he's doing the exact same thing. And in that moment, I was not thinking, boy, the Holy Spirit is, I just want to glory. No, I was thinking the eternal son of God is holy and powerful and good, and I'll never be afraid of men or women ever again. That's what I was yelling after I got done with tongues. And I got out of that experience, and I went, what was that, God? And what it led to was a peace in Christ. What it led to was a worship of God. What it led to was a boldness to run around and tell people about the living son of God because I encountered him through the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit shows up, Jesus gets lifted up. Every time, every encounter I've ever had, has led me to worship God more fiercely, to yell about Jesus, like, Jesus, you're amazing. Wow! That's what I end up doing every time the Holy Spirit shows up. And so the Holy Spirit, he just, I always picture it like he just is like a spotlight for Jesus. He just shows him off. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, he makes me feel what I know. So for years, I knew a lot of the Bible, knew it. I didn't feel it because where I come from, feelings are bad. And then from part of my child, I stuffed all my feelings. So on top of that, being intellectually taught feelings are bad and that knowledge was supreme and also being a little emotionally stunted and shoving those things, I did not want to feel, I wanted to know. And so I held the Holy Spirit at a distance. But then God, in his grace, guys, and it, I didn't do it. This is the thing. I was leading this church how I was taught at Moody Bible Institute. I went hermeneutically, exegetically, through line by line through scripture. We did that for seven years. We taught you the foundations of the faith. And the thing is, we still do that. We still love the word of God, teach the word of God, exegetically and hermeneutically are appropriate, and teach the Bible. It's the foundation. But somewhere in there, I got, I got tired because religion is tiring. And it wasn't just supposed to be knowledge. It was supposed to be the spirit and truth. And so God started to just poke me and be like, are you satisfied? And I'd be like, no. Because I stood at the end of a service we did here for Easter one year, and I've talked about this. We had 1,120 people show up. And in the pastor world, where I've been my last 17 years, that's a good day. You're like, wow, we did it. What did we do? What did we do? Once again, it's easy to build a church, y'all. I just got to get the right gifted people and a couple extroverts, and we're good. Extroverts are awesome. Right? You just got to get the right physical concoction, and you can grow a, bit, a place, and people will like being there. But God started to be like, are you sad? I'd be like, no, I'm not. I don't know why, God, but I'm not satisfied with this. This isn't it. I read your word. Where's your kingdom? Where's your power? Where, where, what, what is going on? And he slowly just started to show up. And it wasn't always weird, like the gas fireplace thing. The, the one time was just, Andrew, go pray. And I've, I've, this is the very first moment God got my attention. Go pray. I'm in my office. It's over there. It's, a, it's full of junk now, but it, it's over there. And I felt this, go pray. You ever felt that? Do you even know what it feels like when God's like, go do something? That's why we need the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't that I was like super spiritual or fasting for 40 days or someone poured oil all over me. It was literally like, okay, I'm gonna help you out, moron. Go pray. God doesn't talk to me that way, just so you know. He, I am his son. But I went out in the woods and I walked the prayer trail. Nothing extraordinary happened. I just prayed, like, God, here I am, because I feel like you told me to. I feel kind of stupid because, well, well, nothing cool happened. Uh, this is before the fireplace. This is before the spirit. This is before tongues. This is before prophetic. This is before anything. And I walk out onto the blacktop, and there's a woman walking towards me, and she goes, good, I found you. And she had been praying 
across the street. And she said, I was praying and I had a vision. And in the vision, I was supposed to go tell the man who walks out of the woods what I saw. And here you are. And I went, crap. Because I'm, I'm reformed. I'm a cessationist pretty much. Uh, and and I, I, had no, I had no wiggle room or much mercy for the foolish charismatics with their emotions. This girl's bubbly, full of joy and the love of God. And she says, I saw you, and God said he wants you to be in his presence in this river. And on each side of this river, there's two mountains. One is the word of God. This came later, but one is the mountain, and it's the word of God. And the other mountain is the spirit of the Lord. And in the middle is the presence of God. And I went, she went, does that make any sense? I went, nope. And then I kind of did the nice thing of like, thanks for being bold to share. And she's like, that's what God wants. And then she like, wait. And I was like, <laughs> okay, God. Here, and you know, so the, in my little brain, I'm like, okay, can God, can God provoke a pastor to go pray? What do you say? Can God provoke a Christian to go pray? I hope he's, you're like, I hope that's the spirit of the Lord. I don't think Satan or demons or any anti-spirit of the Lord is going, you know what you should do? You should talk to God about that. So yes, right? Two, does God want me to be in his presence according to scripture? Yeah. Uh, do we see visions in the Bible? Yes. Does God speak prophetically in the Bible? Yes. So then I, there's just this checklist I'm doing. Was it weird to me? Yes. Was I skeptical? Yes. Was God gracious? Yes. A week later, I was in that sound booth sitting at that computer, and I was so thankful because it was a worship night. And I didn't have to, I'm very introverted sometimes, and so I like to hide. Anybody? Cool. And I saw, I was like, good, I get to hide. And I'm on doing PowerPoint or pro presenter, and a lady walked in who was uber prophetic, and I did not like her. And I told her this to her face. That's a fun conversation. I didn't like you. And I prayed a prayer to God. I said, God, if what she's doing is from you, tell her something about me. Only you know. Which I don't even know why I prayed it. 30 seconds later, this lady pops her head over that sound booth and says, the Lord's been teaching you about rivers. And then said a whole bunch of things about my life that I, no one knows, because I don't tell people things freely, Right? And God just began to be like, the Holy Spirit's not bad. The Holy Spirit's my spirit. The Holy Spirit shows up and Jesus is glorified. The Holy Spirit is good. You want the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, a shift happened. And I was like, I do want the Holy Spirit. How do I get him? How do I get the Holy Spirit? And then I started reading scripture again and being like, okay, Jesus shows up and John's like, I baptize with water, but Jesus baptized with the, the, the spirit and fire. And I'm like, okay, what's that? And then you go read charismatic theology and they're just like fire tunnels and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know about that. So like, what's the real thing? You know what I mean? So fine, be skeptical. I was skeptical, but the Holy Spirit was Jesus's decision to send to his people. And so when the Holy Spirit shows up, he makes Jesus real to us. And what I realized is that the Holy Spirit does what Jesus would do. So imagine Jesus Christ just walked in the back door, guys. What's happening if Jesus is in this room? My grandmother just said, oh, <laughs> right, right. Everybody's like, oh, boy, the living son of God just walked into the room. So when Jesus was around on the earth, what happened? What followed his ministry? Miracles, healing, signs, people getting touched, people, sinners getting looked at in the eye and going, I don't condemn you. I set you free from your sin. Go and sin no more. That's what Jesus, that's what the son of God does. So when the Holy Spirit shows up, what happens? Because whose spirit is it? Jesus. The Holy Spirit does what Jesus would do. So why would I not want the Holy Spirit in a room, in a meeting? Well, then the answer is, well, because I was told I shouldn't from my theological camp. But thank God that he's more gracious than us, and he started to show up. 
And so I could summarize, I mean, we could do a long teaching, but I actually want to give room at the end of this for the Holy Spirit to work, to be poured out, to do whatever he wants to do. It could get weird, but that's only if you think supernatural kingdom things are weird. But I think you belong to a weird kingdom, according to this earth, doesn't understand that kingdom. But the Holy Spirit, I could list some things, because this is what teachers do. We cross-reference, we go through the Bible, and we're like, if you just did a word study, Holy Spirit, what's the activity of the Holy Spirit? Well, here's a few. I'll give them to you. Number one, conviction of sin. This is what... Yep. The Holy Spirit convicts the earth of sin and convicts Christians. So when Christians come in and go, I feel so convicted, you know what I do? I go, do you know who that is? That's not just you feeling sorry. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's guilt because people are guilt heavy. But the Holy Spirit convicts his kids. And praise God that right now, you know what the things I'm seeing most in prayer meetings is? Conviction of sin. There was a great revival that started in China once, and it started with weeping and repentance of sin for days. Most of us are like, well, when the revivals happen, there's going to be like, whoa, no. I think we'll take seriously the things that God takes seriously, and God takes sin seriously. And so I've been at prayer meetings recently where, I'm not going to name them, but a guy just started weeping about how he treats his kids. And I was like, there's the Holy Spirit. Because men don't just normally start weeping and repenting of how they do that. That's a sign of the Lord. You see, the Holy Spirit, that, the actual act of you becoming a new creation, who did that? So you were like a youth camp, and the preacher said the thing, and you went down, and you said that prayer. What happened in your very soul when you were made into a new creation? The Holy Spirit made your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And then not only that, but he put the Holy Spirit in your heart as a stamp, a sign, and a seal. This one's mine. Kind of like, I'm going to go Toy Story. I prayed this over a guy the other day, but you know where Andy writes his name on the bottom of Woody's shoe? That's the act of the Holy Spirit across the believer. This one's mine. Assurance of salvation. I've, I've met a lot of Christians in the last few years who don't know quite if they're saved. They're always afraid. And I'm like, you need, you need more Holy Spirit. There's this blessed assurance is what Jonathan Edwards called it. There's, you should know whose you are. You should know to whom you belong. You should know the promises of God. So yes, yes and amen. I know the promises and they are true and I can know them and I can sit in them and I claim them and I proclaim them and I hide them in my heart. But there's also a supernatural work that the Holy Spirit does where he whispers to a Christian, you're mine. And so as a Christian, if you fight the Holy Spirit like I was taught, you doubt a lot of the things you should never doubt. So some of us, you, I feel like I'm trying to get away from an accusation off this sermon. Is you're like, you just want more supernatural manifestations. I do, but what I really want is conviction of sin, for Christians to know that they're saved, for uh, enlightenment. You ever read the scripture and you've read that a thousand times and all of a sudden it comes to life and it's almost like God himself was like, hey, I said that the first time, let me explain it to you. We call that enlightenment. We call that the scripture illuminating what God already spoke. That should happen all the time. Why? Because we're not just reading with our flesh. We're reading with our very heart, mind, soul, our whole being. Don't just read scripture. Read scripture to get to Jesus. I just heard that in a sermon yesterday. Transformation. The cool thing is, I see God do both in the Bible. There's this long form of sanctification. Like the rest of your life, God's going to be calling you out, growing you, discipling you, building you. And then there's also these moments where God's like, we're not going to deal with that anymore. Whoop. Where he transforms. Big example for me, I used to love doing drugs and drinking and womanizing. And then I encountered Jesus and I did not love those. I mean, literally, it was like he cut them off of me. I was transformed by the Spirit of God. Fruitfulness. Not just one of those fruits, not just love, 
but love and joy and peace and patience. When you see those in your life and growing, those are called the fruit of the Spirit. So where the Spirit is, you should see those things. And where the Spirit is not, you typically don't. You might hear them claim Galatians 2, but you're like, I don't really see Galatians 2, though. That's because it's word and spirit. The spirit gets in there and he's like, you are not loving in that meeting, which is conviction of sin, is it not? And he's going, I want you to repent of that. And I go, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't love like you. And then he starts to pull that me out of me and fills me with his love. And before long, I I start weeping over people. Um, So right around 2019, no, 2018, Y'all got to watch me. I don't know if it was a midlife crisis, but it was a Holy Spirit crisis. So when you spend most of your early Christian life controlling environments and being like, we're going to do things well and in order, which is fine. The Bible does want order. But not the type that most of us choose. If we did the order the Bible chooses, 1 Corinthians 12 would make all of us weird. 1 Corinthians 14, on top of that. One guy would yell back there in tongues, we'd interpret it. While he's talking in tongues, somebody back there yelled out a prophetic word. We'd have to stop and be like, let's test that together. If you want to do order, that's the context. That's a different sermon. But during this season of, I'm talking laying on fireplace floors, laying on the ground for hours at a time, shaking under the power of God, seeing visions and getting gifts that I never even thought, I thought they were gone. I mean, I'm encountering God everywhere I look and I'm trying to still preach like a normal person, but everybody's like, what's wrong with Andrew? And I'm just gonna pull back the curtain. A lot of people came to meet with me and called me out and called me really bad names. I think I got called heretic more in that season of my life than I ever have. People that were my friends called me wicked things. And what I found was I had God. I loved Jesus, and I had the Holy Spirit all of a sudden, and I wept over these people. And I hugged them, and I went, I love you. And I'm not trying to lead us astray. I'm trying to lead us into what I believe the Scripture actually says. That's what I see in all of this. So when the Holy Spirit shows up, Jesus gets lifted up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, you start to see the Bible actually lived out. You start to actually not just memorize the fruits of the Spirit. You actually exemplify the fruits of the Spirit. You actually see, not that I know that I should be convicted of sin. God, I know I should feel bad for this. You're actually weighted down by the conviction of the Spirit of God because you're so sensitive to him, you don't want to hurt his feelings at all. You don't want to grieve him. You see gifting, of course, with the Holy Spirit. You see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I've seen every gift listed in 1 Corinthians 12 happen in this church. Maybe not one, but yes. Still waiting on wonders, signs. But I've seen all the others. Does that make you feel weird? Doesn't make me feel weird. Because when I read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, it gives me a foundation. It should be done out of love. So if you go talk to Ed and Miranda Gomes and you ask them to pray for you, you know what you'll first encounter? The love of God. There's a gentleness and a lowliness to the Holy Spirit. Once again, I didn't go to prayer meetings because I thought I was going to get called out, but what I found is God's more gentle than I am. And when the work, the the spirit of prophecy is at work, he's not calling you out like, he's going, let's get rid of that. Do you want to be free? So there are gifts that the spirit pours out, and then I would go with empowerment. Uh, In the beginning, in Acts 2, um, that happens because Jesus says, Don't go share the gospel until what? You are clothed with power. We go, I'm going to go do a mission for you, God. I hope you join me in it. They went, I'm not going till you clothe me. And there's a lot more fruit doing ministry with God than for him. And that's what I would equate my early years of ministry. I did a lot of ministry for God, but there's nothing wrong with that. I wanted to be a a good, obedient soldier and servant. 
But then the Holy Spirit showed up and he began to teach me that maybe God's not so much looking for slaves anymore, he's looking for sons and daughters. So I'll tell you the top three things and then we gotta, we gotta land this thing. What's how we supposed to end, man? I don't actually care, but I just wanna know. Okay, cool. I do care, I just don't care. The very first thing I would love you to know about the Holy Spirit is that he brings revelation. He brings understanding. He brings, Ephesians 1, the eyes of your heart are opened up, enlarged to see the spirit of wisdom and understanding and revelation of the things of God. How can you understand in your flesh the things of God who is spirit? And who knows the mind of God other than the spirit of God? So give me a spirit-filled Christian who knows the word of God, and just give me somebody who only has the word of God but no spirit, the one with the word and the spirit will know more because they spiritually are going to discern the very things that they're reading. And so revelation that the eyes of our hearts would be opened is the very first thing I began to realize, that I could quote to you scripture for years perfectly in Greek the Holy Spirit showed up and I went, I understand so little. I don't know anything, God. And he began to teach me. John 14 and 16 talks about, and I put those references, go read those whole chapters, go read them. Study the word, go be Bereans, go test me in this. I've been doing this for years, like trying to be like, okay, God, show me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. The Holy Spirit wants to be at work in the church. In John 14 and 16, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will only speak what he hears the Father saying. So when I hear the Holy Spirit, who am I hearing? The Father. Who do I want to hear more than it? I want to hear God. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, he's going to come and he's going to tell you what I want you to do, he says. So don't, he's like, I got many things I got to tell you guys, but you can't handle it right now. But don't worry, the Holy Spirit's coming. That's revelation. That's the voice of God. That's God leading. That's God present among his people. That's why it's better that Jesus isn't here because his spirit is in every person in here that's in Christ. So Jesus could sit next to me up front right now if, I, if he was here and I would be with Jesus, but you wouldn't. So what's better? Jesus with everybody here. So when you leave, he's with you and he's with me because his spirit's with you and his spirit can be everywhere and all where. That's not the right, all where. All wears. Taco Bell, Jesus is there because the Spirit of God's in me. Here, Spirit of God should be here. And the reality is, you can grieve the Holy Spirit and He won't be there. Your seal is still there. You're still sealed, you're still saved. He doesn't kick you out of the family, you're still adopted. But we can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can shut the door. You'd be like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to weep. I don't want to kneel. I don't want to go there. I don't want to share. And he's not mad per se, but he's definitely like, that hurts my feelings. You're like, can God get his feelings hurt? Read the Bible. God uses more language about a husband and a wife when he's talking about Israel than any other language. Husbands, do you get your feelings hurt when your wife turns you down? Is that too intimate? Wait. Not being real? Cool, okay. So revelation is my favorite thing. I'm like, God, I don't understand. Would you, Holy Spirit, teach me? Two, belonging. What I would call is adoption as sons, the redemption of our souls. Go read these two scriptures and memorize them, or whole chapters, Romans 8 and Galatians 2. God has caused the spirit of his son to come into us, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. You've probably heard me pray, Abba. Uh, I'm pretty sure I got some father wounds in me from my earthly father. I'm probably sure as a man, I just stuffed all my emotions. And so when I came to God, it was in a very structured, intellectual way. But when I encountered the Holy Spirit, it was almost like that revelation took me to a place where I was like, I don't understand what it means that you're my father. I don't know what it means to even be a good son. But I know what it feels like to have my own kids. So one moment I was sitting in the back of the room with my daughter Grace, and she was probably five at the time, uh, and she was watching a princess show. 
And I was watching Grace watch that princess show. I like Grace, maybe more than her brothers. Don't tell them. She's just the only daughter. I love my sons. When Abe was born, I said, this is the best thing I've ever done. And Anna laughed at me. Then Joel was born, and I was, God, thank you for my son. Then Noah was born, and I was like, another rock-headed Holsworth son. And then Grace was born, and everyone was like, she's going to own you. And I was like, nope, I'm going to treat her like a boy. But then I found myself watching my daughter watch a princess show beaming. And I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say, the way that you feel about her is the way that I feel about you. Now that could sound emotional. Or like, of course you'd say that, but that's what God started to do. He started to be like, you actually belong to the family of God. When I look at you, Andrew, you are a son. You're not outside. You're not a slave. You don't have to serve me anymore. You get to be with me. And that is the difference between most of the earth's religion right now. They're trying to earn what is given. Most of you are terrified that God will kick you out of the family because you misbehaved this week. That is not the gospel of God or the kingdom we belong to. There is a good heavenly father. And so if I tell you I am a son of God, does that sound prideful? Do you, do you, do you acknowledge that truth? Because that's what the Holy Spirit wove into me. It's not prideful. I can say it in a prideful way. I can live it in a prideful It's not any pride. I am a son of God filled with the spirit of God, and I know his promises for me are good. That's standing on solid ground. I love being his son. I spend time now with God, not so I can memorize and be like, do you like me now? I spend time with God because I know he likes me. He likes it when I'm around. He, I love that he loves me. Most of the time when I whisper to God, God, I love you, I hear the Holy Spirit say back, I love you too. This is the whole thing, guys. He's not looking for slaves. And there's a whole branch of the American church that's living as slaves. And it's, it's got pastors that were a lot like me, and they're teaching other Christians to live in a slave mindset. You're no longer slaves. You are sons and daughters. And he delights over you. He wants you around. Any moms and dads, you just love it when your kids are home? That's what I view the church as. God loves it when his kids come together and they dwell in unity and peace and they are like, man, it's good to be in our dad's house. That's the picture. Not, we better get this thing right so he's pleased with us. You couldn't please him in the beginning. That's why Jesus had to die. So it's not even about me. It's about he gave us the gift of being able to cry out. Who gets to call omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God, holy, holy, holy God, all the, all the awesome God, who gets to call that God dad? Christians. Christians do. Grace has jumped, um, all my kids have run into my room at one, two, three, four. Some of you are living that life right now and I'm so sorry and I'm so glad I'm not. They'll run it and just kick that door open. Boosh, I need some milk. Let's get you some milk. Some of you are better, probably better parents than me. You're like, hey, let's talk about how we ask right. But like, I've never been like, get out. When my kids mess up, and we're, we're holes worse, we mess up well, all right? We do stupid stuff. We break stuff. Uh, my kids get on the roof randomly, and the neighbors call. You're like, you know your kids are on the roof? I'm like, I didn't, but they're good. Well, how are they going to get down? Well, I suppose they'll jump and learn. That's literally what we said the last time a neighbor called. You can parent how you want, well, whatever. I've never once, even now, I got a, how old is Abe? 15, 14? 14, yeah, 14. He is me at 14, which means he's a little stupid. Sorry if you're in here. We're, I'm st I was stubborn. I knew everything. I was a teenage boy. Never once had I been like, I want to kick that kid out of his family. I long for Abe to be close to me. He doesn't quite want that, but I didn't want that with my dad either. 
Because my dad, my earthly dad, didn't know how to do that, and I didn't know how to do that. But my, my heavenly father is not my earthly dad. He wants his kids around. He wants to bestow honor and glory and power on you. He wants, you to, he wants to teach you. And the way that he's doing that is by the spirit of God. That's good news. We belong. And then thirdly, I realized that powerless ministry doesn't really change people's lives. So you can come in and I can counsel you like, hey, let's count to 10 before we punch holes in the drywall at home guy. But if there's a demon there, you need the power of God. You need the Holy Spirit to fuel ministry. And so often I think the church is afraid of it because it, we've seen it gone wrong. But in Joel 2.28, which one of our, my friends sent me this morning, he said, I think God wants to do this. Joel 2.28 says, and after this I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters, they will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. I will pour my spirit out even on the male and the female servants. In Acts 2, do you know what verse gets quoted? Joel 2. Peter quotes it, and he says, what you're seeing right now as they're stumbling out into the road and they all think they're drunk, go read Acts 2. And they're yelling in unknown tongues, and they're proclaiming the glories of God. Peter goes, what you're seeing, this is the fulfillment of Joel 2. This is the Spirit of God poured out. And some of you go, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't care what. I just want the Spirit. He gets to decide what it looks like. So if I look foolish to you, okay. I want what God wants. I, I, literally, this is where it started for me, and I remember the day. I went home, and I was feeling almost provoking from God. It did not start with ecstasy or weird gifts. It started with pure worship. I went for the first time in a long time after seven years of hard-fought hard meetings and ministry, and I, I remember I walked in, I turned on You Are Worthy of It All, which we sang for a long time here, and it's still like a theme song. Turned it on on YouTube and knelt down in my living room and went, God, for, you really are worthy of everything. I'll do anything, whatever you want, we want. And it wasn't lip service. It was real. It literally was a heart, like a moment of surrender that hadn't happened before where I was like, even if I lose everything, I want what you want. And that's when all the things followed. That's when he went, okay, now I can trust you with these gifts. Now I can trust you with the spirit moving this way. Now I can trust you to follow here. And that's why we're doing what we're doing right now. So I would say to you, normal Christianity is supernatural. Did you hear me? Normal Christianity. Normal Christianity is supernatural. So it's abnormal if the Holy Spirit's not working and moving. The Holy Spirit really turns theology into experience, guys. So it's not just what you know. It's the Holy Spirit introduces you really in reality, in communion, in a knowing to knowing God. It's not just head knowledge. And so we desperately need the Holy Spirit. We don't need less. We don't need to temper. I don't want to quench any way, way so ever. I, I think we need, we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing, taught by the word and led by the Spirit. That's what we're doing now, and I think I, I can't wait to watch what God does. But I have a couple words of warning because 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, the kingdom of God is not, does not consist in talk, but in power. And I, have a, I really want to see the power of God shake, shake, shake some of you, but it doesn't matter what I want. But what I really don't want to see is I don't want us to embrace a type of Christianity that doesn't require the Holy Spirit. And as I said, it's pretty easy to do. So I, I want to end, and I'm going to invite the band, but for a couple quotes. One's from a guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones. If you don't know him, go read his book, uh, The Sovereign Spirit. He was a British Reformed pastor that believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's brilliant, and he writes really well on this topic. But he said, it is not that God withdrew. It is that the church in her wisdom 
and cleverness became institutionalized, quenched the spirit, and made the manifestations of the power of the spirit well nigh impossible. So you can structure a thing in such a way, a service, a time, a prayer meeting, that you don't give any room for God. And all we're asking here is, let's give room for the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do. And if he wants to do pull a fireplace room on you, let him. If he wants to just burden you with the conviction of sin, let him. If he's just going to start whispering over you, I love you, listen to him. We want the Holy Spirit's ministry here, and we don't want to organize it in such a way or put it in such an order that there's no room for him to move. And so, yes, my whole sermon is Jesus, but the Holy Spirit shows Jesus off. And as I go, don't close the door on the Holy Spirit. Don't close the door on the Spirit of God. Don't quench him. One more is uh, a guy named Leonard Ravenhill who was not known for being nice sometimes. He had no grace for the religious. He, he said, at the moment, a rushing mighty wind of false religion and lukewarm Christianity is lashing the world. Warned of false fire by, fire by fireless men is what that's supposed to say. We too often settle for no fire at all. And I was warned for so many years that like, hey, don't, don't get charismatic because that, you know, that just lead to heresy or don't, don't get too close to those Holy Spirit people. They're just too emotional but I've actually found the opposite. That men that warned me that there's all this false fire, actually there was no fire there at all. It was cold, dead religion. But Jesus promised that what he would come and do was a baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. A fire that both purifies and a fire that empowers. And I'm not even going to make it weird. I, I just want to invite you to sit with God like we started at a fire. When he, with, with Peter, you know, he's sitting there and he's like talking to Peter. And then I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Not that he's not already here, but I think there's something about the human heart going, I'm willing whatever you want. And if you start to encounter the Lord, if the Holy Spirit starts to provoke you, convict you, uh, shake you, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to, we don't do a lot of altar calls, but maybe this is, you know, we're just going to open up this whole section up here. Just come stand. That's all I want, okay? And then maybe we'll pray for you. If nothing happens, it doesn't have to happen. We're not making anything happen. But if Jesus was here, what would he do? And if then, if the Holy Spirit is here, what would ha should happen? What Jesus would do? And so church, this last, second to last sermon is, we want the Holy Spirit. I love him because he shows me Jesus. So would you bow, like pray, maybe even kneel, don't care. We're gonna spend the rest of the day just worshiping, responding. At any point in time after this, after I leave, you need to go. That's totally fine. There's so much freedom. And in fact, we'll need to go get the kids here. But yeah, Father, we just give you our attention and we just, once again, we sit with you, God. We're not in a hurry. We want whatever you want. And so, Abba, Father, I thank you that you hear me right now, that I get to be with you, that I'm your son. And I thank you for the sons and daughters in this room. And so, Abba, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ for the Holy Spirit to come. Come perform Joel 2 in this room. Come pour out on all flesh, the young and the old, the men and the women, Don't worry about anything happening or making anything happen. Just be with God. And if you're desiring some of that stuff, just start talking to God. God, I want, 
I want to pray in tongues, or I want you to touch me, or why, why, I don't, like, talk with God, be with God. It's not about gifts, it's not about manifestations, it's about there is a very real God, that when he shows up, things happen. And I'll just reiterate, if you start to feel the power of God in your body, and it might not be physically shaking, but it could be like your inside, your, your spirit starts to quake. I, I, I would love to invite you up here for our prayer teams to pray for you or just for you to come and acknowledge. I think there's something about going, I think God's doing something and I want to respond to it. And we're just going to give God this room the rest of this day. And if you're here till two hours from now, I am not in a hurry and I would gladly worship Jesus for that long because he's really good. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.